You're listening to Mountain Murders. I'm Heather. And I'm Dylan. And we are back with more true crime. What's up? (laughs) Yeah, she loves those when I do stupid shit like that. Yeah, I don't. But thanks to those who support us on Patreon. Yeah. And if you're not following our Facebook page, go check out Mountain Murders. It is popping over there. It is a fun evening there at Mountain Murders. Yeah, we have a lot of engagement from our fans and followers. A lot of interesting conversation happening over there. Yes, some real, real true crime fans there to be found at Mountain Murders. You can also find Mountain Murders Podcast on Instagram. And if you look for us on Twitter, we are Mountain Murders. And if you feel so inclined to make a donation on Patreon, it's simple. It's billed monthly and we'll give you a shout out on the show plus some other perks. Bonus content. Uh, Yeah, and we put a lot of uh, some things that flesh out the stories we tell as far as the pictures and the articles. And uh, um, actually uh, full-blown episodes as well. That's right. As a matter of fact, we put together a Satanic Panic episode and released that over the weekend for our Patreon patrons exclusively. But we decided we liked the episode so much that we wanted to share it with the rest of you. So now you can go find the Satanic Panic episode. It's kind of a companion piece to the Kentucky Vampire Cult. And we grew up in the 80s and in the 90s, and so we vividly remember the Satanic Panic. So it's kind of interesting to delve into that, get the backstory, and kind of understand, like, why that was such a big story. Yeah, that's a a lot of our bonus episodes, or some of them, on uh, Patreon are what we consider companion pieces to the story we just recorded. And we have all this other stuff in us, maybe some side notes or, you know, a particular thing that we tell, give more details about. And we call that Mountain Murders Afterthoughts. Hey! <laughs> but yeah, some of those go pretty well with the case that you have already heard in the public. Check that out. Well, are you ready to get started? Yeah, let's do this. This is a um, crazy story that um, I think uh, people have heard of, you know, cases like this time and again. It just doesn't make sense. Well, and as a parent, and I'm sure we have a lot of fans who are listening in that have children, probably even teenage children. And this can be really scary and frightening. It Maybe is. in strange times. This is a good story. Buckle up, folks. It's going to be bumpy. <laughs> this story takes place in Star City, West Virginia. And Star City, I had to do a little research to try to figure out where exactly that was. I was not totally familiar with Star City. But it's located in the Morgantown metropolitan area, which is up near the Pennsylvania border. So think like northeast West Virginia. Okay. And the story starts with 16-year-old Skylar Niece, and she was thriving, as the kids say. Hey. Yeah, my daughter constantly will ask Dylan, are you thriving today? Or if I'm slaying. Yeah, are you thriving? Well, those are kind of interchangeable. Are you thriving or are you slaying? Yeah, she should be a life coach because there's been times when I was doing neither. But after I talked to Bella for like five minutes, even texting or over the phone, at the end of it, I am slaying, full-blown slaying. Pull up in front of the club and just take over shit. You're a slay queen. Yeah, I know. So. You're like the Beyonce of like middle-aged dad types. Yeah, so she's a, she should be a life coach. I agree with that. I've told her that as well. Skylar Niece, thriving. Thriving like you are, Dylan. She's ready to roll up at the club. She's having a grand time. Okay, so she's killing it. She is. She's a great student. She has a 4.0 GPA, a part-time job at Wendy's Fast Food Restaurant, and a pretty active social life. Okay, it sounds like she's handling her business there to me. Well, as an only child, Skylar was definitely her parents' pride and joy. 
A lot of only children understand uh, what that means. You're the center of attention. You're doted upon, you know, showered with lots of support, attention. So Skylar was no exception. Not not good at sharing things? <laughs> what are, why are you looking at me like that? Oh, it's just, oh, it's not you in particular. It's just all the other only kids I knew. Hmm. Yeah, I know what that means. Okay. From the age of eight, Skylar had befriended a girl, Sheila Eddy, and they were best friends, separable. So much so that Skylar's parents considered Sheila to be part of the family. Sheila lived with her single mom, so having this two-parent household to hang out in was pretty nice. She was over there most weekends, went on family vacations with these guys. You know, they really considered her to be like their second daughter. And you're a father of teenage girls, and you've had uh, a boy as well, so you kind of understand what that means to have that extra kid around the house that's like part of the family. Oh, yeah. I've uh, done it with my, both my son and um, uh, and my oldest daughter. And, uh, yeah, you just uh, they're just over, you know, it starts out, it's every other weekend, then it's uh, kind of stay, and then next thing you know, you're taking them to school, picking them up from school, and it's never bothered me. I don't mind an extra kid or two around. Especially when that when that typically happens, it seems like maybe they they're just more comfortable at your house than maybe at their house wherever they stay. And if if that's the case, then you know I could always take on an extra two or three. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in 2010, the pair entered high school, and up until this point, Sheila Eddy had attended a different high school or a different school, you know. Um, but the two had remained best friends. So even though they weren't in the same school, they would see each other on weekends. Every opportunity, they evenings. were hanging out, evenings, so they've doing been the summers together. Friends for a long time. Yeah, I mean, they grew up together. Okay. Well, Sheila Eddy transferred to this new high school where Skylar was a student. And it was there that Sheila befriended a girl named Rachel Schof. Well, as they say, three's a crowd, and that's true. This trio of girlfriends started having problems. Uh-oh. Yeah. And I can say, I mean, as a as a girl, <laughs> I remember being in situations like this. I mean, I think girls' relationships can be kind of tricky anyway. We're very sensitive, especially as a teenager. You're hormonal. You might take things the wrong way. You know, there can be a lot of jealousy, insecurity, that kind of thing. And especially when it comes to a situation like this, you've got your best friend, you've grown up together. You love your best friend. She meets a new person, and now all of a sudden she's interested in this new person. Well, yeah. I mean, if you've literally grown up with someone and counted on them as being your best friend all these years, and now you're going into high school, and you're probably nervous and all that, and now you get to go to school with them, so you're happy about that, and then boom, there's this other person. And like now they're all of a sudden... Well, I'm not going to hang out with you because I'm going to go do this with such and such. Yeah, and you're vying for your best friend's attention. Right. You have to share your friend with this other person. It can just create a lot of drama. It can. It seems a lot of these arguments happened in vague Twitter posts. Well, that always helps any situation. Yeah. Well, in one post, Skylar said, You're a two-faced bitch and obviously fucking stupid if you thought I wouldn't find out. Well, that's actually not very vague. Right? <laughs> but it's probably one of those situations where these other two friends are like, is she talking about us? 
Yeah. Or is it that other two-faced bitch? Yeah. I okay. mean, you know, it's it's vague, but... They don't mention you in name, but... Yeah. Yeah, you know how that goes. And in another post, she said, Too bad my friends are having lives without me. So that kind of okay. indicated that Skylar felt left out by the friendship shared between Rachel and Sheila. Yeah, it seems that way. As I mentioned, Skylar was a good student. She was a popular girl. She had a job. Great grades. She was a good girl, by all accounts. But Sheila was kind of a bit more wilder, free-spirited. That's a euphemism we can use. I mean, from what I understand, I think Sheila was experimenting sexually with boys. She was, you know, partying a bit, using drugs, sneaking out of the house, you know, doing things like that. Well, that's what we called a fun time girl when I was growing up. Yeah. You'll have a fun time if you go out with this girl. Okay. Exactly. Well, so I'm not going to say Sheila was a fun time girl, but maybe she was just a free spirit. Yeah, I was. I wasn't saying that Sheila was that. <laughs> oh, just to be clear, I was just uh, thought it was the perfect moment to talk about a euphemism we use for very smart, intelligent, chastised girls as I was growing up. Yeah. Well, Rachel came from a very strict Catholic upbringing. No. Oh. And so her parents, I think they were divorced as well, but you know, her mom, her dad, they were pretty strict on her. So she seemed to idolize the freedom that Sheila exhibited. So if Sheila's kind of the bad girl, Rachel's sort of in awe of this friend who's doing all these things that she can't be doing or wants to do but can't. Yeah, she could probably only dream of doing anything that that girl's doing as far as in her eyes. So at one point, Skylar and Sheila were fighting. This is just kind of an example of what was happening between the two. And Rachel was on the other end listening in. Skylar had no idea that Sheila had her on this three-way call. But there were other people at school who were listening in and knew that, you know, this was happening. There was a fight that Rachel was like on this call. She's like laughing about it with other people. Yeah. So it's those little deceptions that really started to add up. Well, yeah, that's something I, I could understand. Um, I would, as an adult, be mad about that. If I was having a discussion, a heated discussion with someone, I didn't know someone else was listening. That would that would bug me. July 2012, this one particular evening, July 5th, Skylar Niece went home after finishing a work shift, and it seemed like a relatively normal night for the teenager. But by morning, her dad discovered she had slipped out of the house, her bed was still made, Her window screen was in her closet, and there was a bench that she had used to climb out of her window. So Dad finds this scene, immediately starts to worry, knows his daughter was sneaking out, and she hasn't come back, which was not like her. Yeah, I would be be out of my mind. I would be totally scared right off the ends. Well, I think most parents would, and especially, I mean, I think most of us are pretty in tune with our kids. We know they're not saints. But we also kind of know if they are doing some bad things sometimes. Yeah, when they do something that's totally out of character for them, you know, as far as your view of them as a parent, then that's when you really get scared, you know, mad. Right, if, if but your child truly doesn't have a habit of sneaking out of the house, it's never happened before. Right, or not calling home or checking in when yeah. you say and they should. Yeah, and they don't or... show up the next morning, they're still not there. Yeah. Yeah, I'd be panicked as well. She also missed work for the first time on this day. 
She was a no-call, no-show, which was, again, very out of character for her. Her manager's calling, hey, what's going on with Skylar? Another red flag. Yeah, I mean, her parents were frantic with worry, and they immediately called the police to make a report. Fortunately, there was an officer assigned to the missing person's case who took the call seriously. You know, a lot of time in these cases, especially with teenagers, if they sneak out and they're gone, there's the, oh, well, maybe they ran away. They're probably just at a friend's house. A lot of times it gets dismissed. Yeah, and uh, you see that a lot, like you said, more times than not. And it's so frustrating, as I could imagine, as a parent or a friend saying, they've never done this. They've never missed a date. Or they're, they're always on time. Or I mean, when, when someone's just that way, always, it's in their character. And when they don't do that or never miss a day of work for four years, and now they have, that's uh, very frustrating to have someone else like, well, maybe they ran away or blah, blah, blah. Right. So I think the family was very lucky and that this officer was interested in finding out what was going on and took the case seriously and immediately kind of launches a search where yeah. they find this missing girl. Because there's typically two or three, they make you wait, I've heard two days to a week. Before there's like, okay, maybe they're really missing. I mean, I think they were trying to call her cell phone and it was immediately going to voicemail. Like yeah. It was dead or turned off. They just couldn't get her. At some point, Sheila Eddy called the niece family to tell them what had happened. Sheila confessed that the teens, including Skylar and Rachel, had spent the evening driving around town getting high. They said they dropped Skylar off at the end of the road because Skylar was afraid she'd get caught and didn't want to wake her parents up. Sheila said that they picked up Skylar around 11 p.m. and they dropped her off just before midnight. Essentially, she's kind of giving this time frame of they were maybe driving around less than an hour, probably 45 minutes, just getting high, smoking some pot. Yeah, they probably forgot how long they were driving. Well, there's oh. a surveillance camera that showed Skylar sneaking out of a room around 12.35 a.m. And the car pulled up around 12.30. Sheila's giving a time frame that was like an hour, hour and a half off. Which, okay, I can understand. Teenagers, probably not the most responsible. Not paying attention to the time. Well, yeah, you might not make, oh, I'm making a note. It was 12 o'clock when I picked my, you know, you're just... Getting your friend. She's sneaking she's, out. Yeah, she's are, just kind of guesstimating. Yeah, that could be. So by the 7th, which would have been, you know, almost two days later, the whole neighborhood was involved in canvassing and forming search parties, and Sheila, Eddie, and her mom were part of the crew combing the area. Rachel Shope left on this day to attend a summer camp for two weeks. And as time passed, police thought maybe Skylar had gone to a house party where she likely overdosed. There was a rumor that was spreading throughout town that Skylar had gone to this party, overdosed on heroin, and the kids panic and panicked and disposed of her body. That's a hell of a rumor, honestly. I mean, so she does heroin? Like, you know, I mean, that's not, that's, uh, that's pretty hardcore. During interrogations, officers noticed that there was some odd behavior displayed by Sheila and later Rachel. Sheila seemed really ice cold. She showed no emotions. You got to consider, this is Skylar's best friend for like half their lives. I mean, they're 16. They've been best friends since they were eight years old. You'd think she would have more of a reaction, right? 
Well, that's going to be a red flag to anybody, even someone that casually knows somebody, let alone known them their whole uh, childhood. Right. And just being so cold and distant, very matter of fact about things. Yeah. And then Rachel appeared nervous. One investigator noted that both girls shared exactly the same story with the same details. Most people are going to have at least some differing details in the stories but not like the same exact story. Right. They'll get all the big points, but they'll have minor stuff or maybe the time frames are all for They might add in some details that the other didn't right. fill in the blanks. Or from their viewpoint, they viewed it like this, blah, exactly. blah, blah. Well, it was suspicious and left officers kind of curious about what the girls might be hiding. They continued investigating the girls over the course of several months, bringing them in here and there to do... Follow-up questions. Right, or the same line of questioning, see if their story changes. They compiled the evidence. I mean, they had the surveillance video. They had some cell phone records. And investigators figured out pretty quickly that Sheila and Rachel were lying. And the car that Skylar had gotten into was Sheila's car. And the cops also used some clues from social media accounts of the girls to piece some things together. Like, for example, the afternoon before Skylar disappeared, she tweeted... Sick of being at fucking home. Thanks, friends. Love hanging out with all of you, too. Okay. Right. So even after the murder, neither of the girls hinted that they were even remotely upset about Skylar's disappearance. I mean, Sheila and Rachel, Skylar, they're part of this generation that's constantly on their phones, always updating, the very, very active on Twitter. Always telling you how they're feeling at the moment. Exactly. No matter how insignificant it may be. Well, that's the thing. Sheila, during this time, was mostly tweeting these really mundane things and even posting pictures with Rachel. Like, they were out having, like, a great time. We're hanging out here. We're doing this. We're having so much fun. We're shopping. So, my friend, best friend, my whole life is gone. Yeah. Nobody knows what's happened to her, but I'm just going to go hang out with this other girl. Well, some of the posts were just really odd and stuck out to police. One in particular said, no one on this earth can handle me and Rachel. If you think you can, you're wrong. And that was from Sheila's account. Well, that's not good. Well, I mean, it's um, quite suggestive. Well, yeah. Well, eventually it all proved to be too much for Rachel. On December 28th, and you've got to consider this is five months later. So she's been missing for five months. has been missing all of this time. The summer has ended, school started back, no Skylar. Yeah, that's not good. So December 28th, just a few days after Christmas, Rachel's mom called 911 and she reported that her daughter was out of control. She was hitting, screaming, running through the neighborhood, just acting a fool. So she done lost her shit. Yeah, totally. Having basically a mental breakdown. Okay. Rachel was quickly admitted to a mental health facility, and she was met there by investigators. Yeah. Really expected to sit down with Rachel and have Rachel confirm the story that Skylar had overdosed on heroin. That's what they went into this thinking. Really? Yep. Okay, so she's in the midst of this emotional breakdown. Maybe there's something on her conscience or something she can't live with, or she knows something that hasn't told it. But they really think they're just going to top some loose ends. Yeah, and they think that maybe, you know, she did overdose on heroin. Maybe Rachel knew 
what had happened to her body. Right. And that she was just upset about that. They really thought this was going to come out, that this was the story. But Shof, Rachel Shof, blurted out, we stabbed her. Uh-oh. Yeah, Rachel confessed. Rachel detailed how she and Sheila had planned the murder a month in advance during a science class. Oh, they wow. They had been planning this before school had even been dismissed for the summer. That's just crazy to me. How? I mean, I just don't... I don't understand how you get there. Well, both agreed that they should kill Skylar, and the plan included carrying out the murder before Rachel left for summer camp. Oh, yeah, mate. Let's go ahead and get that cleared up before you have to go to summer camp. Yeah. All right. So this is Make on sure our, we kill our checklist. Before, yeah. Uh, get some new sneakers, new underwear, in touch with an old friend, murder. Get all this list done before I go to summer camp. Yeah. I mean, what did you do on your summer vacation? <laughs> it's just mind-blowing. I, I, I don't know how you get there. We talked about this earlier. I don't understand how you get to this point. Right? I mean, if you don't want to be friends with someone... Just don't fucking be friends with just them. Just don't be friends with them. I mean, I just don't get... sort of break up with them. Murder is such a big deal. I mean, I would, I would murder to protect me and my family. You know, I mean, if somebody busts in this motherfucker right now, I will kill him. <laughs> if I can, I'm going to try my best. But other than that, I mean, I just don't get how people... So many stories we do, they're just like, oh, we'll fucking kill them. Yeah, I mean, Your girlfriend's pregnant? Well, it's, we'll fucking kill well, them. Well, it's that motive. It's, it's the I motive, need extra money? Let's fucking kill them. The motive rarely makes sense when you break it down. And they never fucking get away with it. Well, get this. On the night of the murder, Rachel took a shovel from her dad's house. Okay, because that's normal. She took knives from her mother's house. And they also took cleaning supplies and spare clothes. Oh, okay. Loaded this all up in Sheila's car. The girls plotted and carried out luring Skylar out of the house under the premise that they were going to go hang out and drive around and smoke some marijuana. Okay, that would have got me back in the day, too. So almost like a peace offering. Yeah, that like, same. Like, hey, we've been shits, but we want to make it up to you. Come hang out with us. We got this good, good weed. We're going to get high as fuck. Yeah. Go through Taco be, Bell. It's going to be great. It's going to be fun. Yeah. So, you know, Skylar been you know, feeling left out, probably thinks, okay, this is a good opportunity to get to hang out with my friend, try to make amends. She was making those texts earlier in the day, oh, I'm sick of sitting at home, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Well, the two wore hoodies, and even though it was July and probably hot as hell, they were wearing these hoodies because they wanted to conceal the knives. And Skylar, I guess, was not thinking about why they were decked out in hoodies. In July. Yeah, it's a little weird. But once the girls had arrived in some woods near Pennsylvania, which I guess they had gone up to this location before to get high, Skylar probably wasn't thinking anything about this drive up to Pennsylvania. And as I mentioned, Star City is kind of like right there on the border, not too far away. Right. So they're like, hey, we're going to drive up to this wooded area. We're going to smoke this doobie. going to strike up this doobie and get laced or whatever. Oh, laced? <laughs> I don't know. What? <laughs> <laughs> no, you shouldn't. That shouldn't happen when you smoke a doobie. Well, I don't know what they're going to do. Oh, my God. I'm, I'm innocent. Okay. I was a D.A.R.E. graduate. You hear that, folks? Let's, let's strike up this doobie and get laced. I don't know. I've heard people say that jokingly. I don't know what that Okay. Means. Let's do it. Here they are <laughs> in the woods striking up this doobie. And when Skylar kind of had her back to the girls, they just attacked her. 
And Rachel said Skylar's last words were why. Why? Why? That's why? exactly what you're going to fucking say. It's no different than when Julius Caesar said it. Because he thinks he's with friends. Or at least people that aren't going to kill him. Well, I think anytime you would be in a situation where someone's trying to kill you, that's probably your question. Like, why? Why are you doing this? But especially if it's your two fucking friends. I, mean, I, I think you're more apt to say it to people if it's people you know, right? Because if it's some maniac person you've never seen before, you're just like going to assume they're crazy as fuck. But well, if it's this person you grew up with. The police asked the same thing. And you know what Rachel's response was? It was something stupid, I bet. We didn't like her. Oh, okay. Because that's how that works. Oh, my God. Right. So these two gals decide, hey, we don't like Skylar anymore. We don't want to be her friend. So, and instead of just saying, hey, I think we've grown apart. Fuck you. We're in high school. Maybe we need to go our own separate ways. I don't want to be friends with you anymore. Yeah. I want to I want to break up with you on a post-it note. I mean, of all the things. Your feet stink. They could have done to like end the friendship. They decide we don't like her, so we should kill her. Okay. I mean, that's just, that, there's got to be some like psychopathic tendencies behind that or something. That's got to be the missing link of what we talked about earlier. How do you arrive at this? Because I've, you know, growing up or being young and someone's like, yeah, fuck that person. And you're like, yeah, fuck them. And they're like, oh, we should get them back for this. You're like, yeah, fucking get them back. And we should just kill them. That's how we'll take care of this. And you're like, yeah. <laughs> you do sure. a Scooby-Doo. You're like, what? Huh? Row, row. Yeah, totally. Uh, yeah, yeah. You, you, you make the killing plan, and I will go get killing supplies, and you never come back. I mean, I just, I just don't know how you even start that conversation. Yeah, with that's someone. when you're quickly look at the watch you're not wearing, and you're right. like, "Oh, gee, look, I'm late for supper." That's two hairs past the mole. I gotta go. <laughs> yeah, something. But yeah, I think I think that's what's I think that's what's uh, missing. One or both has that, you know, psychopathic. More traits, more so, you know, we all have a few of the traits or whatever. But yeah, maybe they have uh, enough to where they've actually entertained this thought before. In early January, I mean, you've got to consider. So Rachel goes to the mental health facility at the end of December, early January. So probably like a week within the week of being admitted and of confessing what has happened. Rachel agrees that she will lead investigators to Skylar's body in the woods. It was covered in snow, so she couldn't exactly remember the location, and they couldn't initially find the body. Rachel couldn't be charged with murder. They had no body. No body, no crime. Yeah, I mean, they've got a confession, but they don't have any evidence. Not enough. It was about a week later that searchers found the body in the woods, but it was nearly unidentifiable. I mean, it's been out in the woods six months, seven months at this point. Yeah, and part of that was the end of summer, right? Yeah. Going into, into the fall. And, and so, you know, it started to decompose. And it wasn't until March 13th that a crime lab would be able to confirm that it was Skylar. Okay, so that makes it official. Yeah. Okay. some point, well, that's sad. investigators wire Rachel up with a microphone. And they get her to go over to Sheila's and try to talk to Sheila about what they had done. But Sheila did not incriminate herself. She was not having it. She didn't She didn't admit to anything. She wouldn't elaborate on anything. She was very aloof. 
It's almost like she knew. Wow. Maybe she did know. I don't know, but she was she was being really quiet about it. Maybe she had maybe her friend was acting suspicious to her, you know? Probably. I mean, being a teenage girl, you've killed somebody and now you're all wired up. You keep leaning one shoulder and holding your collar up. <laughs> what was that? The body plus the examination of Sheila's car found DNA belonging to Skylar. So they had enough evidence to arrest both girls. In the car, they did find some blood because remember, they got the shovel, the cleaning supplies, all of that. Yeah. They transported some things. So there was some blood. It's a little bit of DNA evidence. Sheila was arrested, and you're going to love this, Dylan. Guess where she was arrested? Where? In the parking lot of a Cracker Barrel. Ah, that's the greatest. That's awesome. Yeah. Can you imagine, like, probably some old couple in there just enjoying a a basket of biscuits and cornbread, like, looking out the window, and there's, like, this young girl getting cuffed. Getting strung out in the parking lot, cuffed up. They're like, oh, my God. Oh, my God, Jeffrey. Myrtle, what's going on out there? I didn't wear my good glasses. I don't know, but I'm going to need my walker for this. Well, she was charged with first-degree murder, and she did plead guilty in January of 2014. She received a life in prison sentence with the possibility of parole after 15 years. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so we have premeditated, unjustified, totally unnecessary murder, and... You get fit. I mean, she might, she can be out in 15 years. Yeah. Easily before with overcrowding. And if she's a model prisoner and all that bullshit. Well, Rachel is going to serve a 30 year sentence for second degree murder. And she was given a lighter sentence for cooperating with police. Okay. So. And because she led the police to the body of Skylar Nice. So she gets straight out 30 years, but that probably can be like, who knows, 10 years in. Possibly. I mean, that's a kind of sense that what we hear in this shit. Right. Like 10 years in, they go up, or maybe even five. Who knows? I don't know how it goes, but yeah, it, I just uh, I just don't feel like that was a premeditated murder of this other young girl for no fucking reason at all. Some mean girl bullshit. And I just think they got light. That seems light. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. It seems light. To me as well. And then I think about... You think it's because they're girls? Little young girls? Probably, because they're cute. They're just innocent looking in the courtroom and all that bullshit? Probably. I bet that really means what happens like that. I just feel really sorry for Skylar's parents. I mean, not only to lose your child, but then have to wait months and months to finally have some resolution. Her body, until it's decomposed where you could never see it or look at it. So that you know and you finally have answers... Okay, she's not just missing, she's dead. Right. So you finally get that closure. But then at what? To find out that her best friend, a child that you practically raised, her that two- grew up in your house, yeah, that you considered a part of the family. Killed, took your daughter away. Yeah, and, and because she just didn't like her. Yeah, and she might be out when she's 30. It's just fucking I mean, horrible. I cannot imagine. They're so young. You know, they do 15 or 20 years. They can still have a life. Right. When they get out. So I can't even, like you said, I can't imagine. That's one of those things where you can't imagine because you haven't been through it. It's true. Well, this has been the story of Skylar Nice. Yeah, this was kind of, this is a pretty sad story. It's really. a very you know, sad That's why story. I've kind of been muted a little bit just because the more I've thought about this type of case, um, it's just so senseless. And uh, not that their murder is bad. 
And we've talked about a lot of bad things here, but yeah, I just don't get it. I don't understand. Yeah, it's a really sad story. Doesn't make any sense. Well, thanks for catching this episode of Mountain Murders, and we'll be back soon with another true crime story for you.